welcome to another episode of the Red Arrow Health and Wellness Podcast. I am your host, Marco, joined with my lovely co-host, Jessica. How's it going, Jessica? It's going well. It's been a great week. It's been a weird week. It is snowing. <laughs> it is snowing in April. Spring break is over. We're trying to get back in the routine. Mother Nature is on its own routine somehow. We broke the record for snowfall in April on this date. We for did. here by double. That's amazing. The kids had fun in it this morning. But before we get into all that, Jessica, what are you drinking? I'm drinking a glass of Elijah Craig with a giant ice cube in it. Nice. That's it. <laughs> Nothing else in it. That's all you need. Pretty much. What are you drinking, Marco? I'm having a Sazerac. Ooh, nice. What's in it? I used bullet rye whiskey for this one. Oh, fantastic. Cheers. Cheers. And with the formalities out of the way... <laughs> this week, life with four kids in the age of coronavirus, in the age of Rona. Super fun. Trying to get back in the routine, coming off of spring break. How's it going? It's uh, it's kind of a challenge. It's it's really hard to get the kids motivated to get back in front of the computers to do all of their online e-learning stuff. Um, a couple of them have some projects that they have to complete this week and next week. And so that's been like pulling teeth, trying to get them to do it because they... They see the snow, they want to go outside, they want to keep playing video games at all hours of the day. They want to do all of the things except for schoolwork. So they don't mind sitting in front of a screen because clearly <laughs> they want to go sit in front of a different screen. Exactly. They don't want to do the schoolwork screen. So it's just as usual, except for they're at home. Exactly. Um, they, you know, it's, it's, the, the e-learning takes a couple of hours a day to do it and it's just a couple I mean it takes a lot of hours especially because we have three that are trying to do all of these different assignments and I can't just park them in front of the computers to do it on their own two of them still need a lot of help with their assignments and then we've got the toddler and she runs around and she's like please play with me color this with me tell me how to write the letter e I need to do all of these things at the same time that you're trying to teach my brothers or screaming from the bathroom, wipe me! Yes, lots of wiping. Um, it is what it is. It's fine. But finding time to exercise on top of trying to manage all of these kids and their schoolwork and feeding them and making them do chores is challenging. Making sure they don't destroy the house. They are destroying the house. I'm not winning that battle. Not at all. Legos everywhere. Legos as far Legos as the eye everywhere. Can see. Are we sponsored by Lego? No. Are we sponsored? I forgot to do it back for the drinks. Are we sponsored by uh, Bullet or Elijah Craig? Absolutely not. Oh. Be nice. Someday. It's for that whiskey Maybe. money. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I, I have managed to get in exercise, though, so that's been good. How about you? Uh, fairly well. I mean, it's back in the routine, trying to get work done. Kids keep coming, running in. Want to talk to me while I'm trying to do things on the computer, but I've been trying to squeeze in work. The weather is not cooperating at all. Nope. Did make it outside a little bit, but when it's snowing and we have three inches of snow that magically appear overnight, not going out for a skinny tire bike ride. No, but you did go out for a snowball fight today. I did go out for a snowball fight with the kids. An April snowball fight, you got to do it. Post spring break. Also went out the other day, even though it was uh, 32 degrees. You know I really, really miss hockey when I break out a pair of rollerblades that are about... Oh. I think your rollerblades are older than how long we've been together. They are. They're definitely from the late 90s. They are white boots. Very, you know, nothing screams late 90s hockey like white boots on your skates or That's your amazing. rollerblades. 
broke those out. I probably haven't been on them in about 15 or 20 years. Wow. That was a little bit terrifying. I'm not I'm not a kid anymore. I'm out there going, where's the brake? Oh, yeah. I don't have a brake on these. Because <laughs> I was too cool for that back then and had thrown it in the trash. How many times did you try and turn your feet sideways to stop like you were on the ice in them? Every single time. That's amazing. <laughs> I just kept like... I just kept skating like I was on ice and uh, rollerblades do not respond the same, but got a nice workout in kid. Number one went out on her bike and rode laps around the neighborhood while I skated around the neighborhood and managed to not freeze. No, she was pretty happy when she came in. I met me. Oh, she's young. She can handle it. <laughs> she had a winter. Well, no, she didn't have a winter jacket on. She had under armor and sweatshirts and all sorts of stuff on. She had more layers on than me. Well, she was very proud of herself, though, for going out there and doing it. Well, I was proud of her for doing it, too, but I was not worried about her freezing with all the layers on. But I'm happy you didn't freeze either. That's good. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Very important that we got all these workouts in. Uh, a lot of time on the treadmill this week, too. Yeah, that's all I've done. Because uh, Red Arrow Challenge kicked off. woo And in parallel, its sister club... The summer racing club for the summer conditioning for my cross country and track teams. Double woohoo! So I'm also in that, but I'm also in Red Arrow Challenge, which is much broader, much larger, more activities, larger group. There was no like, oh, it's snowing. I'll just work on the computer and lay low today. It's like, I got to go. Yeah. I have to work out because you and I can't be the people behind this and then go. <laughs> Yeah, no, this is my week. I'll wait till start till next week. It's like, we have to work out. I did have that thought, though, today. I had to take yesterday off because I had a migraine, um, which medical things are built into my plan, so I didn't violate any of my behavior plan rules. Um, but I, I really had a big problem today going, oh, I could just skip it, and I'll get back on track on Monday, and it'll be fantastic. But I did it. I got up. I went and got on the treadmill this afternoon, and it was fantastic. Oh, yeah, there's no hiding. At the very top of the Red Arrow Challenge leaderboards, there's a section, because all the other divisions have their own section. But at the very top, there's a section for a special division called Featured Members, which is you and me. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, and there's no hiding. Our usernames aren't very well hidden since it is the underscore Jessica and the underscore Marco. That's funny. <laughs> Pretty sure that everyone's going to figure out who we are. They are going to. That's okay. That'll be good. Extra motivation, right? Oh, yeah. So, Red Arrow Challenge is currently in progress. Uh, week 1 is Monday, April 13th through Sunday, April 19th. You got all the way to the end of the day on the 19th to count what you have. Everything after that goes into week 2. Inputs from week 1 are due by 10 p.m. Pacific time. That's Los Angeles, Seattle, San Francisco, that whole time zone, no matter where you in the world. 10 p.m. that time on Monday, April 20th for week one. For those of you in the Eastern time zone like us in Michigan, New York, all the way down to Tallahassee in Florida, your stuff's done by due by 1 a.m. on Tuesday, April 21st, all the same time. So keep working, get those miles in, and once we get to Monday, log your hours. Go to our website. If you haven't done so already, become a member, sign up for the plan, create your username, and put in your data.
Jessica, what do you want to talk about this week? Let's talk about the pictures on Instagram. Well, there's lots of them up on Instagram. I know. But Any in particular? Is, you want to narrow it down to a, a single account? As much as I am loving the throwback pictures of us. Oh, you're talking about our, our account? Yes. The uh, Red Arrow Health and Wellness account. It is an entertaining account. There's one picture in particular that I wanted to talk to you about. Okay. And it's the picture that basically sums up your weight loss that you've accomplished. The one with my old, one of my old suits from when I used to go to the office and actually before I started teleworking and you know, remote working. Yes. The one where you look like you're wearing your dad's suit. It's fantastic. Yeah, except for my dad's skinnier than me. But yeah, yeah, but it's still, you know, little kid wearing a giant suit. That It does look like that. It's fun. So you are down over 125 pounds from your peak. Yes, I am. Has it been smooth sailing? Oh, hell no. <laughs> Anything but. It has not been a clear descent off the mountaintop. It's not even been rolling uncontrollably head over heels down the hill. It has been ups and downs. I've had stretches where it was great going down, and then it plateaus or even some rebounds when we went back up. Uh, so it hasn't been perfect, and I've had to adjust and tweak my behavior, what I eat, how I exercise, what I'm doing along the way to make adjustments. And sometimes where I'm like, well, I got this. I can back off on my plan and what I'm doing. And that's usually where things start to go back up. It's like, no, I, I can't. I can't let off yet. It's kind of like when you're, uh, if you break a bone, you have to put the cast on it to support it while it heals. Well, all those other natural contingencies and everything in there just really haven't taken hold enough, apparently, for me to hang on. So, yeah, ups and downs. But uh, overall, the overall trend over the last five years has been down. With the last year, probably the most dramatic of it, I wanted to be under 200 pounds by my 40th birthday. I had not been under 200 pounds since before I turned 20. Wow. So basically half my life above 200 pounds, probably most of that above 250, some of that above 300. It was just really important to me. We, we've got kids. I want to see them grow up. I was not doing well. And as that 40th birthday loomed, it's like I want to make a push and I got to go. And I got to do this. And I was far enough out where I could lose the weight in a healthy manner because that was also important. If you just go totally unsustainably extreme and lose it all, you're probably going to gain it all back and do damage to yourself along the way. So there was enough where I could watch that descent, make sure it wasn't too extreme. And even now, I'm still not at my target weight, but uh, the weight loss, the, the, the slope of that loss is starting to shallow out by design. I want to come in for, if this was an airplane, I want to come in for the soft belly landing. I don't want to go nose first straight down into the ground. But I'm going off on a tangent. Uh, I made it. Yay! That's the, the exciting part, and I'm not giving up. I'm still going forward with this. But there's plenty of health benefits. I'm really enjoying uh, the lost weight. It's making running a lot more enjoyable. There's... Got to deal with that loose skin moving around, and that could be a topic for another time of life as a formerly fat person. We should person. definitely talk about that because I have issues with that, too. We can make that its own podcast. <laughs> yeah, we probably could. <laughs> it might be kind of disgusting, but oh, there's it's stuff they don't always talk about. But anyway. How much are you down since last year's track season ended? Uh, I'm down about 70 pounds. That's awesome. 
Have your runners noticed? If they have, they have been polite and haven't said anything. But the parents definitely have noticed and every so often make comments. Uh, Polite ones, nice ones, complimentary ones. They either say nothing or they, they make compliments. Awesome. So my friends have noticed your weight loss as well, and they make comments every once in a while. They're like, do how? They? No, they do, because they're very proud of you, and they're excited that you've managed to do this all by yourself, seemingly. Um, so they're always like, how is he doing it? This is seemingly? So... <laughs> no, Who's helping they, me? No, that's what they don't know. <laughs> oh, and that's yeah. actually what we're going to talk about. We are. Okay. okay. So this, your weight loss has sparked a lot of questions about what you eat. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Yippee. I knew you'd be excited. Oh, yeah, because you already know, like, from years of being fat and heavy and being self-conscious about what I looked like, I got I got very self-conscious about people watching me eat. I would, We would go to conferences or we go out with groups, and one, I'm a talker, so it takes me a while to get to the meal anyway because I'm carrying the conversation sitting, sitting there just eating, and so I'm usually one of the last ones to eat. And everyone's just waiting for me, and I feel subconscious because the fat guy's taking a while to finish. Yeah. And, and, you know, you and I can go to a restaurant, and we'll be around people we don't know. We go out with another couple, and we're fine. But it's when we go to a large event where I start getting more and more self-conscious about the plate of food in front of me. Mm-hmm. And are people paying attention to what I'm eating? And, you know, while people are going, oh, you've lost all this much weight it just hasn't relieved that anxiety and it's it's a me thing it's not them it's internal to me um but yeah so i know the questions are out there and yay let's let's, answer some of them let's do it fine hang on let me have a sip of a cesarec Let's do this. Okay. As we dive into this, is there a specific diet that you want to champion? No. I'm a behavioral psychologist, not a dietitian. I am not here to be giving advice on you should do this diet or you should eat that or not eat that. Whatever. To eat your own. What diet somebody wants to go with, whether it's a fad or otherwise, is their choice or it's a collaboration between them and their dietitian, nutritional advisor, doctor, whatever. And by doctor, physician, not behavioral psychologist, <laughs> not somebody that's been to medical school. Somebody's been to medical school, not, you know, PhD in basket weaving or whatever. They get to be called doctor too, but don't go up to them for nutritional advice. And like I said, I'm a behavioral psychologist. Don't come to me on what you should put into your mouth. If you want help increasing or decreasing the frequency at which you eat things with the guidance of your dietitian, cool, I can help with that. But what nutrients you need and what quantities, that's not my thing. You mentioned fad diets. Have you tried any? Yeah, lots. (laughs) Uh, I think one of the first ones was the six-week body makeover back in the mid-2000s. That one was nuts. And Is that then the one where you had to eat for your like blood type or something? You you had to pick your body type oh, or whatever yeah, and doing it. It was a multi-page assessment. And once you got your plan, it was like how much of what type of foods and you had to eat like every three hours, which 
didn't work well because at that point I was doing my clinical work and research and classes and teaching. It's like, yeah, like, you know, teaching, maybe I might be able to have a snack in the middle of a lecture, usually not. But doing clinical work, if a client has a complete tantrum or breakdown and you got to jump into action, it's like, oh, hold that thought. You can just pause on throwing <laughs> the chairs across the classroom at the little kids. Uh, I have to go have a snack. It's 1230 and it's time. Right. And everything had to be planned out and packaged out ahead of time. And yeah, I remember was... that diet and it was completely insane. Oh, it's nuts. We would be up a couple of extra hours a night making the food to put in the snack boxes. Weighing and measuring. Yeah. And it just, it was, it was just completely bonkers. But that was a fad thing and we did it. Uh, so way back then, uh, I've done keto, I've done intermittent fasting, I've done everything in between. What? Well, yeah. I've done fad diets and I've done, actually gone to nutritional advisors for help too. Cool. So you mentioned nutritional experts and dietitians. Yes. Yes. I have gone to clinical experts in their field, several professional credentialed dietitians, and I've also received plenty of advice from many of those armchair nutritional experts in our lives who know everything about everything and have read every article and yeah, the whole spectrum. They know it. They know it all. They know what I need to change to fix my life. <laughs> Not that it worked for like 20 some years. And? I try to ignore the Monday morning quarterbacks of the nutrition world. The ones who read the abridged Reader's Digest style versions of science and are convinced that they are doing a thorough review of the literature. They are harder to tune out when they're related to you. But uh, that sort of stuff isn't helpful. And it's all over the map. And it. It's actually kind of annoying at, with somebody with a science background who has worked as a scientist to them tell you, this is the science. We know the science. I'm like, no, you don't. You haven't even read it, the actual real articles and put it together. So, and you can't argue with them. So you just kind of tune them out as best you can. But it's, Nod your head and smile and then go about your business. And their advice contradicts itself every three months. So even if you were to jump on what they're saying, Three months later, they're like, no, don't eat that. And it's like, well, yes, no, maybe some, sometimes in the morning at night. Well, <laughs> damn it, I need to eat. Leave me alone. All right. And as for the real dietitians? There's variability in the nutritional recommendations they gave, but overall, they're in the same general neighborhood. It was interesting with my background, kind of evaluating who's saying what, and you want to get in the nitty gritty on how many calories and how many calories of what or milligrams of this and that, it varied a little bit in the strategies. But overall, they were kind of saying the same things of what's healthy, what's not, how much I need of what, avoid eating too little because that could really mess up my metabolism. And there was consensus there, even if the fine details differ. Okay. One consistency, though, in meeting with the actual dietitians, and there were several along the way, that every time I met with one, the meetings lacked a plan for translating their recommendations, and I'm not, I'm not dinging their recommendations at all. That's their specialty. I'm not going to argue with them. It's definitely not my specialty. But there was an, a lack of a plan to translate their recommendations into lasting action. That falls in the wheelhouse of behavior management. 
And luckily, I know a guy who knows something about behavior management. All right, so let's dig into that. You're a data guy. I think it's safe for everyone to assume that you track your nutritional data. Yeah, that's pretty safe to assume at this point. But I actually did resist it for a very long time. I was, uh, I used to be a wrestler in high school. And actually, I think that picture ended up on our uh, Instagram, too, about wrestling with weight. But being on the wrestling team led to a lot of problems with managing my weight in a healthy manner. And I was very afraid that if I got into tracking those calories, those macros, and fine, doing the fine data on it, that I would develop a eating disorder for myself. And I didn't want to hinder myself or dig into it that deep because I was concerned that I would just engross myself in it and take it too far. So, yeah, I try to avoid it. When I started this journey off, coming off the weight mountain, coming off the peak, uh, initially I just went with increasing exercise going, all right, I can eat. I think I eat healthy. I can eat what I want or at least what I think I should be eating and just exercise more because I wasn't exercising at all, really. You know, going for a fast-paced walk once every three months wasn't cutting it. (laughs) Imagine that. So, yeah. So I uh, I increased exercise, and the results were, you know, at first it was working. But, you know, I thought, like, well, at least it's going down, or at least the trend's going down. Maybe not every day, but it's going down. But soon afterwards, it plateaued and got frustrating because I kept increasing how much I was exercising, and the weight was stuck. That's when I started going to dietitians for help. And, of course, they said, hey, you need a dashboard. You need to keep track of calorie intake and your macronutrients, such as fats and carbs and protein. And I just kind of went with the response that our kids go with. I don't want (laughs) to. Kind of like the three-year-old tonight at dinner, even though it was a delicious dinner and the other kids were eating. Nope, I'm good. I don't want to eat tonight. Just water. Feast and famine stage. But with this, I didn't want to do it. So I finally caved and went with a version of taking a photo of each time I ate. So I had a record of what I ate and I could look back at it. And it was, you know, at a plate, you could almost make it look like a pie chart in terms of the proteins are over here. The green veggies are over there. The starches are over here. uh, And was the proportion about right? But then what you couldn't always get is the scale, the size of the plate. And that was, it was better. It wasn't perfect, but it was, that was all right. It was tedious. I had various apps for indexing it. Gave me something to show when I would go back to talk to whatever dietitian. And they would always say, okay, this is nice, but you really need to track the numbers. Which, yes, I know, but I was just avoiding it. I was avoiding it like the coronavirus. Ah. <laughs> uh, Just didn't want to do it, but I wasn't getting the results uh, that I wanted in terms of weight loss and losing inches on my waistline and feeling healthier. And I was trying to run races, but when you're hauling that much extra weight, it's just not fun. Where you're going, it's like, I totally should be beating that guy. (laughs) Here we are at another local race and I'm getting beat by him again. I, and I'm putting in way more work because some of these people I was friends with, and I know they're like weekend warriors. Oh, I'll go out and run once a week or once every other week. And I'm there going, I'm running every day. Yep. So I finally caved and started using uh, an app to track all the uh, calories and macros. Which app? 
Well, there was several different ones at first as I played around with it, but I eventually landed on my Fitness Pal. It's free, has a barcode scanner, which helps uh, import things faster. It allows me to save my favorite recipes. The user interface just works well for me. It's not perfect, but it works and I like it. But for those who don't like it, there's other ones out there. Cool. How do you feel about tracking your food? I still don't love it. Uh, I actually quit doing it for a year not too long ago. And the weight quickly came back. It was, the scale kept going up and up. Tracking my weight is nothing new. I used to get on a scale, even in grad school, I'd get on a scale every morning and I had paper data sheets next to the sink. But I wear glasses. I don't sleep in my contacts. So trying to read the number on the little analog dial and then write down the number when I'm still sleepy wasn't working. Having a Wi-Fi enabled scale is great. Get on. It tells me when it's done and it sends it off to the cloud and to my phone. Well, the numbers were going up, wasn't happy. And I, I know as much as I dislike it, tracking my calories and macros is helping me live a better life, be healthier and move away from being morbidly obese, move away from being obese, and soon getting out of the clinically overweight zone, back down to a healthy, sustainable weight. Basically, if life is a journey and my body is the car, this little app is another gauge on the dash, and apparently for me, it's the critical one to ensure this is a long-distance journey and not just a short little truck down the street. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> How strictly do you stick to your calorie and macro goals? To me, they're guidelines. Some days I'm over, some days I'm under, but they put me in the ballpark. I use them as reference points, especially when it comes to, say, treats. I can look at the app and go, whoa, I need to pump the brakes. I need to back away and just go, no. But there's other ones going, hey, I'm good. I got room for this. Was it always that way? You mean when I used to like come home from class and eat a family-sized package of Chips Ahoy in one sitting yes. by myself? Not always the case. Having something there that I can look at and go, whoa, I need to stop myself. It helps for me. How many calories do you usually consume in a day? I'm usually around 2,000. Uh, some days a little bit more, some days a little bit less, but it tends to average out right around 2,000. If I have an extra active day, such as I have a race or hockey game or doubleheader hockey games, I'm okay with going over. Awesome. Drinking alcohol isn't usually paired with health and wellness. Yet <laughs> no we kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we kick off each podcast with a, what are you drinking? How do you see this meshing together? Well, first off, we are over the legal <laughs> drinking age, uh, which here happens to be 21. We are well over the legal drinking age, mm -hmm. so there's that. If you're under 21 or under whatever the legal drinking age for wherever you are is, you shouldn't be drinking. Nope. Especially in young, developing bodies, uh, you don't need anything else getting in the way. Your brain still hasn't fully formed yet. But for us, we're old. We're old. It's fine. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> but back on this topic... Yes, alcohol contains empty calories. Uh, they have no nutritional value. If you want to be a purist, you want to be hardcore about this, you probably should get rid of the alcohol. Probably should give up on you know beer and whiskey and everything else. In terms of physical performance and weight loss, 
Cutting that would also be very helpful. But from time to time, I, like you, enjoy a good drink. So I'm okay with the occasional minor vice. Uh, it's not a reward. It's just something there that if there's room left, yeah, and I'm in the mood for it, and you are too, especially if we're doing podcast night. <laughs> Let's have a cocktail. Let's have a beer. Let's have a glass of wine. All things in moderation, but to do all this work to not enjoy things in life that we enjoy, what would be the point? Yeah, I completely agree. Did you always feel this way? What, that you should enjoy life? Yeah. Uh, Yes, I always felt this way. However, I did go hardcore with this back in grad school. Uh, I went on over-the-top diet. Actually, I think it was that six-week body makeover nonsense thing. Uh, Eating the very precise things every few hours, all that, and it was no alcohol. It was very strict and ultimately incompatible with life, not just the alcohol part, but like having, we already mentioned that having to eat every few hours just did not work with our jobs and life. And also didn't help that we weren't sleeping much because it was grad school with work and everything. Yeah. Uh, but I, I did good on that one, kicking it off. Uh, I, it wasn't the, the drinking that, uh, <laughs> boy, that sounded wrong. It wasn't the like wanting to have a beer in grad school that ruined it for me. It was just the, the actually eating on time that ruined it. Uh, I went the full course with that without having a drink uh, for several months, which actually even has a downsize. When your dad uh, came down to visit us, uh, so did your mom and your brother and everything. Uh, it was Christmas, it was Christmas. or something. Uh, oh, yeah, because it was, it was bowl season for college football. And your dad comes down and he's like, we had a tiny little townhouse and having everybody in there was going to be cramping. He's like, oh, I'll go out to the bar. We'll watch some football games. I'll have some beers with Marco. Yeah. Marco's not drinking. And then he felt bad, like, wanting to haul me out to all the bars in town when he knew I wasn't drinking. He was just grumpy the rest of the trip. He's a little bit pissed about that. <laughs> just funny. a bit. So, yeah. In terms of thinking you should enjoy life, that hasn't changed. But buying into, you know, a little bit of Part of the moderation is not going to the full extreme of saying no all the time as an adult, a legal adult, putting that in there again. In your current diet slash nutritional plan, have you made any changes in regards to alcohol? I have. Uh, I try to keep my carb intake relatively low these days. That works for me. What works for me might not work for you, but that works for me. That's what I'm doing. As a result, though, I've cut back on how much beer I drink a lot. And keep in mind, I used to brew my own beer. Usually I had two batches going at a time. The kids would help me brew it. It was a big family science experiment. It was great. I have a mug at one of the local breweries. You know what? I just don't visit my, my mug that often anymore. Fun place to hang out. And when we go with friends and the hockey group, I've got my mug there, but we're there far less frequently. You mentioned that you like to keep the carb intake low with the drinks. What are you using to sweeten some of the drinks if we're doing like a cocktail hour or some drinks require a sweetener? I found some sugar-free sweeteners, and they really do a great job of replacing it. Also, things that take uh, like ginger beer or soda, sugar-free versions are working well with those. I agree. 
You play adult hockey, a.k.a. Beer League. I have been known to play Beer League, yes. <laughs> In fact, you are the commissioner of the local leagues. That I am. How does cutting back on your beer intake jive with that? It's not a problem. Uh, yes, there are beer coolers after the games. They're all around the rink. Uh, but drinking isn't a requirement. Some players don't drink due to personal preference. Some players don't drink due to substance abuse issues. Some don't drink because they actually have to go work the night shift after the game. And nobody really bats an eye about it. It's not a big deal. In fact, I've had players on my team that are battling substance abuse issues. And to make sure they're not missing out on the social aspect and feeling pressure, I will bring a cooler with ginger ale, or we're here in Michigan, so Verner's or root beer, or something, so they can have a can in their hand and sit around and not feel the necessity that they just finished playing a hard game and now they got to frantically run from the locker room because the beer cooler is going to open up. Here's something for you. There's something for you to reach for in another cooler. Hang on, sit down, just talk to the guys. It's awesome. I really like that. And then when they're done, and we usually go out and watch the other games and heckle everybody else and even when we go out there, sometimes, you know, people just aren't in the mood to drink the night. That's fine. So that, that fits the, at least how the, the leagues are around here. I still bring beer when it's my turn. Uh, sometimes when it's not my turn, I still bring beer for the team. And I occasionally do have a beer. I just don't have multiple beers. <laughs> These days, if I do have a drink after a game, though, I actually tend to have a whiskey. Cool. Do you have a favorite one? For after hockey? Mm-hmm. Usually something not too expensive because if it comes out, <laughs> everybody's going to want some. Awesome. Uh, for me, you know, I'm not going to get a whole lot of it, so it's got to be something good. I want a, like a good budget whiskey for after hockey with like the whole league there. Uh, when I get home, I'll have something a little bit nicer. How do the other players in the league feel about the beer league commissioner being a post-game whiskey guy? Put it this way. Uh, when this current season kicked off and we had a draft, and it feels like forever ago because the current season should be done by now, but it's still stuck on pause because of the Rona. The Rona. But when we had the draft and we, we sat down, we had a captain's meeting, we drafted the players, one of the leagues got together and presented me with five really, really nice bottles of whiskey. So I think they're cool with it. Fantastic. Going back a little bit to discussing the food that you're eating, what would you say that the biggest um, impediment to staying on track with your diet would be? I think the biggest challenge is I have a wife and I have four kids. And I really don't want to have to cook two or three or six dinners <laughs> on the same night. So, you know, at the same time we're there, we're trying the kids, eat what we served you. I can't always be going, but I'm eating something totally different. So it's trying to meld, um, and also imagine what the grocery bill would be if we were pulling that stunt. Yeah. So it's trying to pick dinners because while I need to watch my weight and I need to watch my macros to help that weight and I need to feed my body in a certain way, they're kids and they haven't made the life choices I did. They're not coming down from the 300-plus, 325-pound mountaintop. They're, they're healthy, active kids. And, you know, maybe when their metabolism slow and they're in grad school, we might have to have the talk with them, hey, maybe you should go for a run. Hopefully we instill those healthy habits into them where it's not an issue. Uh, but I don't want to punish them for mistakes I made. 
our kids still have candy and treats. And sometimes that's an impediment is seeing things that I really, really like in the cupboard. Hmm. We have not removed all the obstacles. So there's definitely that whole willpower piece of Chex Mix and chocolate chip cookies and everything. Just remove them from the house and then I can't possibly ever eat them. Well, that's not fair to the kids. Right. And our kid number one is a Girl Scout. (laughs) Cookies coming out of our ears. Uh, I didn't have any Thin Mints this year. You did not have one single Girl Scout cookie. I didn't have any Girl Scout cookies. I am incredibly proud of you because I had tons. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a problem. You know, meal planning is a challenge that I undertake. And I'll do some alternatives. If we're doing uh, sub sandwiches or uh, something, some sort of something on a bun, I will probably do a lettuce wrap to cut down on the carbs. But the main part of the meal is the same. We're all eating the same thing. And it takes a bit of planning, but that's part of my Sunday afternoon. I sit down and take advice and input from everybody else, but also figure out what the grocery list is be, can be. So that I can do alternatives to quickly mod what the family is eating. And then the other piece is avoiding all those snacks and treats they have for their school lunches and everything because, hey, they're kids. They should they should still be allowed to have cookies. Uh, doesn't matter that dad messed up and just got really really fat. So yeah, good. All right, what what is your favorite pre race dinner? It used to be pasta. I used to do the carbo load thing, but I've been really cut back on carbs for years now. So it's for me, it's usually chicken. I don't like to do. Uh, fish unless i'm cooking it myself so if we're going somewhere uh like we're going to a destination race i won't order seafood because there's always that chance that it's just a little off uh and i you know if i've gone a long way if i'm staying in a hotel room i don't want all that going down the drain because i ate something that just wasn't prepared right or it was kept in the fridge too long so chicken it's it's a safe bet cool do you I'll, have anything with the chicken, or is it just like a piece of chicken? No, I mean, I'll order the chicken and whatever the sides are and salad and whatever. But um, it's kind of boring, but you know what? I can have fun and celebrate after the race. It's hard to mess up chicken. That's the other thing. It's hard to mess up chicken. You're not going to get poisoning from it. Well, you could, but not the probability is lower than, say, uh, shrimp or fish or whatever. What is your favorite pre-race breakfast? It used to be granola. It used to be a granola that I made myself, but I found over the past year or so I've been doing a protein, just a protein, pre-made protein bar and coffee, even though I know coffee's a diuretic and you probably shouldn't have it before <laughs> a race. Trying to go through a race, especially a triathlon, with a pounding caffeine headache yeah, it's not or same. trying to get to the race and see the road and navigate when you can't think straight what uh, yeah you can't see straight without coffee at four o'clock in the morning when you're driving to the race site we're trying to load the bike on top of the car because you know we don't have a like 15 foot garage door so <laughs> the bike gets loaded on the rack on top of the car at four in the morning so we can drive to the race uh so it's 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 a protein bar that i can eat while i'm driving the car it's also less likely to make me want to uh, to nicely put it, have a bowel movement in the middle of my race. Nice. I really don't want to have to like sprint to the porta potty while the clock's running. I'm not going to bring be the wife that brings you a sponge in the middle of the race. It's just not going to be happening. So 
anything you need to do to make sure that situation doesn't happen. Great. Moving on. What is your favorite post-race meal? After a race, uh, a steak. There's something about it. It just feels like, hey, you earned it. One, it's it's got a bunch of protein, but two, it's it's great. Something feels about just a nicely prepared steak. What is your favorite post-race drink? Right after I cross the finish line, honestly, is a cold beer. Right after you cross the finish line? Oh, yeah. If it's one of those races where they're handing out, like, I've done ones in Chicago, where as soon as I came across the line, they handed you a cold beer. We did the one in the Upper Peninsula, the Kai Tri. As soon as I cross the finish line, it's, here's a one from a local brewer, and it's great. But it doesn't have to be fancy. Paps Blue Ribbon, a PBR. (laughs) like one of the cheap ones super super cold right after you finished a big race tastes great it's even better than water well i'll have a water with it too or a gatorade or something but i'm glad you meant like adult drink oh i i was meaning more like you know what it isn't chocolate milk which is like (laughs) and i you know watch the one i like advertise with us or something at some point but they advertise at the state championships for in Michigan for cross country and track. And they've got uh, like a semi full of chocolate milk of this one big invitational we go to. And all the kids are like, ew, coach, should we do it? I'm like, well, according to their ad campaign, they're just as good for you as all the sports drinks with less sugar. But all I can think of is, you know, chocolate milk curdled by your stomach acid as you're spewing it because. Oh, that's disgusting. No, look, when I used to wrestle, <laughs> I would, uh, we did home weigh-in. So two to three times a week, I'd have to make weight be within an hour of everybody else on my team. And I would, especially sophomore year, I would drop 12 pounds in the course of our three-hour practice and the one-hour thing there, uh, three times a week. I would drop 12 pounds, all water weight. It wasn't actual weight loss. And then I'd go home from practice and I would make chocolate milk, and it was I would drink three quarters of a gallon of milk. I'm sure, your mother loved that. Oh yeah. Then I'd go take a shower, and then with dinner, I'd have the last quarter of milk. It's a lot of milk. It's a lot of chocolate oh, milk. God. So right there, it's already not appetizing to me. Uh, and on top of it, crossing a finish line from a race and having somebody hand you chocolate milk, to me, that's not the preferred choice. Now, if they hand me a cold beer, I'd love it. After, if we're not talking about sweaty, nasty crossing the finish line, no. going when we're going out and I'm enjoying my steak, yes, I would love a nice whiskey, either straight or on the rocks, or uh, an old fashioned, or my my favorite whiskey drink, which is what I'm drinking tonight, a Sazerac. Cool. What is your favorite meal before a hockey game? Usually, I don't eat before a hockey game. I have made that mistake on a few occasions. I think one of the times uh, we were we were down, the kids were doing hockey camp. We quickly had dinner as a family, and then you took them home before I had a game. And skating with cheese pizza in my stomach was just miserable. <laughs> the pizza was good. Yeah. Not as I was choking down the burps and belches of pizza. Ew. And you're getting slammed into. Yeah. Ooh. So usually I... Um, if it's a day with a hockey game, I'll plan my my meals around that where I'll have bigger meals in the morning, have very sm- little to eat in the afternoon, evening, coming up to the hockey game, depending on how late it is. 
usually the last thing I have before the game is a protein bar. What's your favorite post-hockey game meal? Most of the time I won't have anything other than maybe a snack after a hockey game because they're later in the evening and I don't want to eat that late in the evening because basically you're just eating and going straight to bed and you've got all that food sitting in your stomach and it's not fueling you. If I play earlier in the day, it's whatever. And if I do snack on something, it's leftovers from what you and the kids had. Okay. What's your favorite thing to eat when you're tailgating? Ooh, seafood boil. <laughs> I mean, that's just the Florida college experience there. It's, you know, we were poor, we were broke, but you know what? Somebody brings potatoes, somebody brings corn, somebody gets shrimp, which are cheap down there. Somebody gets whatever else, seafood, grab some andouille sausage, get a turkey fryer basically going with hot water. Got that. Throw it down on some newspaper on a tailgate. You got a meal. I still love doing that. I still love cooking it for our kids. Yeah, they like it. It's great. Lots of seasoning. Got to throw in some hot sauce and it works. I know you hate being in a food rut, but what breakfast do you have the most often? Uh, Probably looking back, uh, omelets. I actually love making omelets. What do you like to put in them? (laughs) It depends on what's in the fridge. It's also a way (laughs) to get rid of the leftovers. It becomes uh, pretty much it's like a breakfast sandwich, and then instead of bread, it's egg. Cool. We do breakfast for dinner once every week or so. What's your favorite breakfast for dinner? This is going to sound gross to many people in the country and in the world, but biscuits and gravy. Oh, my God. It's so good. Well. (laughs) It really is. You're from the South. Uh, And I thought it was one of the most disgusting things I'd ever seen uh, growing (laughs) up. Uh, One of my first experiences with this was we were at a Bob Evans and my sister went to college in the Midwest and and she's nine years older than me. So I was, you know, just a kid over there and somebody orders this thing and it comes across. My brother and I see the plate and we're like, that looks like a giant booger on a plate. (laughs) So disgusting. Somebody blew their nose on the plate. Just snot. And then... The person took a straw and started just <laughs> sucking it up and slurping it. And, like, it's horrified us. Fast forward, I eventually down in, end up down in Florida where it was <laughs> prepared. <laughs> Didn't look like snot anymore. Uh, and just my friends were eating it. It was there. And I decided to try it. I'm like, well, this is pretty good. And then your dad started cooking it when he would come over and visit us. I'm like, this is good. Mm-hmm. Now, the hard part, though, is... When you're making it, you're making it well, and you're thickening it, you usually thicken it with flour. Um, but I've got a version now that's a low-carb version. It's great. You love it. I love it. Uh, half what, of the kids. Half of the kids love it. The other ones tolerate it and will always eat it. Yeah, but their aversion is to the sausage in it, not the actual gravy right. part. Well... To each their own. But they eat it. Like, we all, that's what we're serving. In fact, that's what we have for dinner tonight. It's so good. It's great. (laughs) If we could have anything for dinner, say it was your birthday, what would it be? You know, when I was a little kid, I would have said something like fried chicken, or eventually I got older and got the more refined taste. It was shrimp scampi or seafood pasta. Mm -hmm. But I really like crawfish. I really like oysters. I really like jambalaya and gumbo. Somehow I've developed a flavor, a taste for all things Louisiana and Gulf Coast as I sit here sipping a Sazerac. And I wonder why. 
I've got a wife who was born <laughs> in New Orleans. Uh, I just really like it. And they're, it's hard to get in Michigan, but live crawfish. Do a nice crawfish boil. Yes, I suck the heads. It's also so good. Delicious. So good. Uh, very good oysters. Uh, I love those. Um, scallops, if they're done right. But usually around here, they've been previously frozen. It's just hard to get a good scallop. No. Conch fritters when we're in Florida, and they're fresh. Hmm. Especially when we go down to South Florida, conch fritters are great, although it's full of carbs. So clearly I haven't been to South Florida in a while. Uh, but crawfish and oysters and jambalaya and gumbo, those are those are kind of my favorites. Cool. Do you put limits on the time of day that you allow yourself to eat? Yes and no. There's no hard limit. There's no like, oh, I'm not a, I'm not a gremlin or mogwai. <laughs> it's not like, oh, it's after midnight, can't eat anymore. I turned into a gremlin. It's <laughs> no. But at the same time, like if we're heading towards bed, I'm not going to eat a bunch of food because... I'm old and I'll get a stomach ache and I don't want to be up because I just want to get my sleep. So, no. And if I do eat, it's like, well, I guess I'm going to stay up for a while because I don't want to get heartburn or anything. Do you do any intermittent fasting where you, like, wait to eat breakfast or lunch at a certain time of the morning or afternoon? Sometimes. Sometimes it's not consciously. And especially with coaching... It's not like I go, whoa, whoa, hold up the next race or the next heat because coach needs a snack. Especially for those longer meets, it just naturally happens, along with life and working and being a parent. Sometimes I plan it out where I'm just like, you know what, I'm just not going to eat lunch today. But for the most part, it's not part of my regular routine. Okay. Uh, You mentioned being a coach. I know that often after a cross-country meet or a track meet, you guys will go out to eat. And some of the places are incredibly unhealthy they're delicious, but they're not great for you. Uh, what do you, what do you do when you go out to eat with the teams at those places? In regards to me or the kids, what you the, oh, well, not the kids. The kids get to eat whatever they want. I'll say, especially if they eat their butts off. I don't restrict the kids' diets after the meets. Before the meets, I buckle down on them. If I see them eating unhealthy things or going out to a fast food or something slathered in mayo right as we're getting on the bus or if we're at the meet, especially track meets, and I see the kids trying to wolf down like a chili dog before they have to do the 100-meter dash, which has happened. Oh, my God. Then I'll jump in and go, nope, I'm, I'm scratching from the race because you're not puking all over the track and making the rest of the people run through your vomit. Ew. Yeah. And it's for their own safety, their own, you know, their own well-being. Now, after the meet, I don't have restrictions on what they eat. It's only within those hours, basically from the time they finish lunch until we do the competition. And I'll actually encourage them to eat, eat something, eat something simple, eat something healthy, have a piece of fruit. But don't go have a triple bacon cheeseburger right before we jump on the bus Ew. with all the condiments or something. Now, if they want to do that triple bacon cheeseburger with all the fixins and the fries where they're so coated in oil, they soak the bag after the track meet or after the cross-country meet, even if it makes me cringe, have at it. I'm not here to police your diet. Life short. Well, what do you eat, though, when you go to those places or when you go to the magical pie place? Oh, there is that magical pie place. Um... I didn't get to go to the pie place this year, did I? You didn't go to the pie places? No, we didn't. We didn't get the donuts. <clears throat> when we go, I uh, I look at the menu and try to do my best. Um, 
you know, whether we're going to a fast food joint or the regional favorites, especially in cross country, we've got all our regional favorites for all these Saturday invitationals, liquids, let's run here. But when we're done, we get to go to place X or place Y. And I just do my best. I look at the menu, figure out what I can do, see what substitutions I can do. And it is what it is. So, like, if they have breakfast sandwiches, a lot of times you, you can get a breakfast sandwich or a sandwich as a lettuce wrap or as an egg wrap or just, you know, a breakfast sandwich on an English muffin. Just say, hold the muffin. And the, the, the wait staff or the chefs don't have a problem with you doing that? No, because I think it's pretty common these days. Good. What is your favorite snack to munch on? I think most recently my favorite snack have been these like little cheese crisps. It's basically like a cracker, but it's dried cheese and baked cheese. Do you like to have anything with it? Like, are you putting it in dip? Are you allowed to have dip? I'm allowed to have dip. Depends <laughs> on what's in the dip, but if it uh, spinach artichoke dip, or sometimes I'll just put hot sauce or sriracha on it, or dip it in salsa, whatever. But the that's like my replacement for crackers because it's got that crunch it's got that crunch and i like salty things and yeah okay if we are in a new place and the opportunity to try a food you've never had before arises but it doesn't quite fit into your diet are you going to try it or are you going to take a pass on it i'll try it i might not indulge wholeheartedly into it and just have like a giant if it was a full dinner i might not have that full dinner i might just Sample it. If it's a special delicacy, a treat, a dessert, I'll have a bite just to try it. But it's it's about that whole moderation thing. It's like, all right, I'll have a bite of this. But I might not have the giant serving of it. Okay. Uh, speaking of little treats, what do you do for birthdays? Because the traditional birthday dessert is a cake. And a cake is full of carbs. So what do you do? There are some uh, low-carb alternatives out there. Because, again, I'm personally on a, a low-carb kick right now. Uh, low-carb chocolate chip cookie alternatives. I believe that's what I did this year, if I remember right, was a low-carb chocolate chip cookie alternative. Used almond flour instead of actual wheat flour. And then I had uh, sugar-free dark chocolate chips. Although the ones I made for the kids, I uh, used the same cookie recipe, but they didn't use the sugar-free chips because they're more expensive. Yeah. <laughs> they got standard, uh, what was it, Hershey's or Giardelli. It's Giardelli because that's fantastic. Tasting. They got standard chocolate in their chocolate chip cookies. But aside from that, the cookie batter was exactly the same, so the cookies looked the same. And there's, there's all their low-carb alternatives. We've done... Low carb mini cheesecakes. We've done um, bur chocolate bourbon balls for. We did a a fundraiser thing for the school that was adults only, and those were tasty. They were tasty, and they were a humongous hit. They were about a teaspoon of bourbon per bourbon ball. Yeah, and it was again a sugar free chocolate substitute that had bourbon in it. They were quite yummy. So yeah, there there is dessert options out there. Do you eat fruit? Yeah. What kinds of fruit do you like? Strawberries are my favorite. Strawberries, blueberries, one of while omelets may be the most frequent breakfast, I'll make uh a blueberry mug muffin. They do one. Doesn't use normal flour, uses like coconut flour and almond flour in it. 
but it's quick, it's easy, it's, I can make a serving for one, and it has fresh blueberries in it. Cool. I got a question for you. Out of all the Uh-oh. things I eat, what do you find the most repulsive? Oh my god. Um, it, honestly, I think it's those little cheese crisps that you have <laughs> with the hot sauce. Because I don't know how that's tasty at all. I thought you were going to say it was the sardines where I had to take the cheese crisps and put a little piece of sardine on there and then top it with sriracha. It's a quick on-the-go lunch. I tend to block the sardines because they are that gross. And yes, that actually tops the... Well, you eat canned tuna, which grosses me out. No, you mix it with mayonnaise and you put a bunch of pepper on it and pickles in it. It's great. It is. What about when we go to, like, the ballpark or if we go to a professional hockey game or something? There's so many tasty places to eat at the different arenas and and stadiums, what on earth are you eating there? Well, a lot of them now do have healthy alternatives and grilled chicken and everything. But especially by us, one of the minor league teams, and minor league teams are famous for notoriously horribly bad food, like not like bad tasting and poorly prepared, like culinary treats (laughs) of caloritic epic proportions we went uh one near us a few years ago and they let their fans vote on what the new additions to the menu are a few years ago they had something called the baco which is an order of tacos but the shell was made out of a lattice work of bacon and then they put the meat and the lettuce and the tomatoes and the cheese and everything sour cream on top of that we went uh last year we went and I'm like, I decided to indulge. And I was still, I was on the low carb thing and they had chipless nachos. Instead of chips, they had pork rinds on it. And it was like the ultimate porker or something. So it was like pork the rinds and some chips. Then it had pulled pork and brisket on top. And then they did the nacho cheese. And then you get to throw your jalapenos and everything on. So yeah, I went to the ballpark. I ordered nachos. It was just pork rinds instead of chips and was that the healthiest option for my diet oh hell no did it fit my diet yeah kind of it was low <laughs> carb but was it funny yeah did it taste good oh yeah <laughs> would i do it all the time absolutely not would i do it once in my life yes do you think that eating the way that you eat which happens to be low carb at this time is more expensive or is it cheaper than eating just like regular food I haven't done a cost analysis on it. I'm not that nerdy, but it is it is a little bit more expensive. Uh, in that the filler foods, bread, potatoes, those things that just fill up space in your stomach, aren't there. So if you're eating X amount of food, but part of that was that filler stuff that sucks up space. Let's I mean when you go to a restaurant, they give you bread, unlimited baskets of bread for a reason to fill you up. Mm-hmm. That's not there. Uh, when we go out, French fries. I don't eat French fries or potato chips. So those aren't there to fill me up. So I'm putting in other things. Now, in terms of nutrition, that's better for you because I'm putting things with more nutrients into my body. And, and I do my best to like, get alternatives. Like, oh, instead of French fries, you know, if someone's doing steak frites, hey, can I have the broccoli or the Brussels sprouts? I do love some Brussels sprouts. But big picture, it is a little bit more expensive. Okay. Here's another question for you. Out of all the things that have kind of come up in this weight loss journey and this low carb thing I'm doing and 
what have I stumbled upon that you love that I make? The biscuits and gravy is absolutely delicious. It's seriously, it's on our menu once a week because I like it that much. And it's crazy easy. It only takes what, 10 minutes to make. Yeah. When my friends or their husbands ask you, what are you eating? How do you respond? Usually with the word food. I mean, part of me thinks everyone's convinced that I'm just eating like grass clippings and yard waste (laughs) or something, or I've gone off the deep end with like some crazy fringe end of vegan or something. I mean, beyond just normal vegan. Uh, No, I mean, I eat normal food. I eat what everyone else does. It's just watching the proportions and how much of this and how much of that. And it, it takes a little planning. And when we go out and we're with people, sometimes I just do a little guesstimation. It's like, hey, it's not like I'm telling the waiter, I need to know how many ounces that steak is and how many ounces of, is the pat of butter that's right on top. I'm like, whatever. I just guesstimate. Uh, been doing this long enough where I can kind of look at it. And I, we cook enough at home and I love to cook where I can look at it and go, yeah, I know about how big that, that hamburger is. And, you know, speaking of hamburgers, like, just eat it without a bun. Plenty of places offer them with lettuce wraps, or even if they don't, take the bun off. Don't don't be a jerk about it. There's places we go where I'll order, I'll order a hamburger. I won't even ask for any modifications. I just tell them how I want it done. And when it shows up, I toss the bun to the side, or one of our kids wants to eat the bun, and knife and fork. Eat it like a, a steak. Cool. Um, but, yeah, I just, I eat food. <laughs> when we go to restaurants... Um, either with people or just the two of us or our family, are you taking the time in the restaurant to enter in your data into your your app on your phone? In the restaurant, usually not, unless we have a complete lull in the conversation or you're <laughs> or you're doing the same thing. But I will put some forethought in as we're driving to the restaurant, or if we we know well in advance we're going out to look at the menu and kind of. Figuring out now if it's a big chain, a lot of them have their things online that show up right in my app. And if they don't, I've got to wait till it shows up in front of me and then I'll guesstimate and I'll put it in later. Or in the evening, sometimes if I've been good for breakfast and lunch, we'll get to dinner. I'm like, whatever. I've had an active day, especially like if we've done a triathlon in the morning, I don't even enter dinner. Like I look, you look back at the record and it's like I had breakfast and I might not have had lunch or dinner because I'm like whatever I just I just did a triathlon I'm not gonna nitpick over this stuff I'll get back on track in the morning you for sure burn the calories the, the important part is not to go days weeks and months without getting back on track but an afternoon I can live with it okay a good way to sum it up is uh back when I was doing engineering work and I worked for the county road commission in the engineering department and I, I started off on the survey crew And in school, it was always about precision and accuracy down as tight as you possibly could. Well, I learned when I was out there and you're surveying a road and you're surveying like four miles of road. The phrase good enough for government work came up because they're like, you're going to get to this level of precision and accuracy that the construction crews can't deliver when they're laying down asphalt or dirt. And it doesn't really matter. I mean, it does to to a degree, but you don't have to go to so many decimal places that unless you're going to break out the calipers and measure like every grain of sand, who cares? A car is going to run over it. 
get it good enough where it holds up and does a good job and move on and be efficient and get the next project done because we got to fix the roads. Same thing here. There is, you can just be paralysis by analysis on your diet and it just kind of gets to the point where good enough. Uh, while I do want to track and I do want it to be a dashboard for me, I don't want to be stuck there and like, well, I need to order dinner, but I'm still sitting here trying to find the item I ordered or I want to order playing with my app and we've been here for four hours and I still can't find it, <laughs> you know, that defeats the purpose. So, you know, at the end of the day, you got to, got to eat. And I'm not going to be one of those people where it's like, well, I just need the nutrients. Sorry. I like food. I want it to taste good. And if I'm not getting as much as I used to, that was the other thing too, was the quantity is much smaller than it used to be when I was 325 pounds. I want what I have to taste good because otherwise, what's the point? Yeah. It's kind of like you and I enjoying a cocktail together. If we're losing all this weight just to be living an absolutely miserable life, what's the point? Yep. What do you drink during the day? I know that you like you drink your water and at night sometimes you like to have a whiskey or whatever. But what are you drinking during the day other than water to keep yourself hydrated? Is there anything that you're drinking? Well, I drink coffee in the morning, not to be hydrated, just to function as a human <laughs> being and an adult in the modern world. Throughout the day, I do drink uh, I drink tea. I drink a lot of water. I love to throw a slice of lemon or a slice of lime in the water. I like seltzer water, too. And that's about, that's about it. I mean, I drink water, tea, coffee, seltzer water, and occasionally Gatorade after I work out. I used to drink a lot of coconut water. Uh, but the carb content has kind of turned me off from that. Okay. Do you have a favorite type of tea? You know, I really like green tea with uh, ginseng and honey in it. Okay. I don't Why were you looking for looking for a name brand? Uh, no, not a name brand. Just okay. like sleepy time tea or no? I, I just, no. There's just this one variety, and that's the flavor is green tea with ginseng and honey. And so it's not like I'm putting drops of ginseng and dollops of uh, honey in it it's it's all the flavors packed into the little um tea bag when we're at home do you use a scale to measure your food yes with the caveat that there's some nights by the time we get to dinner it's like i just don't care i know i'm good <laughs> do you um do you like using this scale or do you is I, it a necessary evil i don't like using it i don't like using the measuring cups and measuring spoons it is a necessary evil, but it's kind of like I don't like using the app either. And if this is what it takes to kind of to keep track and keep this on moving in the right direction and to be around so I can walk our daughters down the aisle when they get married, Aww. then okay, it's it's not a horrible trade-off. It'd be it would really suck to, you know, have to explain to them, well, why isn't dad here for my high school graduation? Oh, because Keeping track of his calories was just too much, or putting his food on a scale was just too much, and he just really wasn't worth it, willing to do that. So, yeah, it's a trade-off. I still get to eat yummy food, still enjoy a cocktail with my wife, but um, whatever. I mean, it's a small price to pay. Okay. And at this point, I've been doing it for so long consistently that I still don't like it, but it's not... It's becoming a habit. It's like, I just got to do it. The kids know when they set the table, they need to put a scale next to my plate. 
they never say anything about it. They never it. say like, anything. Okay, it's like a plate. Or when I say, hey, put a little saucer up on my plate and put X, Y, and Z measuring spoons or measuring cups next to it, they just do it. I mean, there were questions at one point about why are you guys measuring your food? And we just told them and say, when you get older, your bodies change and you're giving me a look like it, not that conversation, not, not the, you know, your body's changed, you're so good, and your voice gets deep, you get hair in weird places. No, it's not like that. It's just that we told them you get older, your metabolism slows down, your body doesn't process the nutrients in the same way, you know, and this is something that happens later in life. So we got to pay close attention, but you're little kids. You guys are constantly burning energy. You're in so many activities. You don't have to worry about it. Just eat. If you're hungry, eat. If you're not hungry, don't eat. That said, we're still always going home the three-year-old. Eat. Eat. Please eat the food. Just sit there and put some in your face. Preferably in your face and not like on the floor or across the room. If one of your runners brings a special treat to share with the team, do you indulge? Or do you take a pass? I usually politely pass. In fact, the past few uh, awards banquets, and when we do awards banquets, it is middle school all the way through high school with parents. So these are large events and they're potlucks. It's been a few years since I've had a bite to eat at any of these things. No one, <laughs> the funny part is, if anyone's noticed, nobody has said anything. Um, but as soon as they start getting in that buffet line, I start doing awards and running through all the kids because each kid gets their moment in the sun to shine and spotlights on them. And then they get to go sit down and eat. And the next kid comes up and then we do team awards. And we honor the seniors and everything. And when it's done, I'm just exhausted and they're tired because it's been long and they just go home. Um, but I don't eat at those. And when they bring snacks, like parents will ask, hey, it's so-and-so's birthday. Can we bring cupcakes or snacks? I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Do it after we finish running so they don't throw up. And they'll, the kids will ask. I'm like, no, I'm sorry. And I'm like, sometimes it's like, oh, I'm sorry. I got a hockey game tonight. Or sometimes it's just like, oh, I'm sorry. It just doesn't fit with my diet. But it looks delicious. Enjoy. Uh, I don't want them to feel bad just because I'm not partaking. I don't want to be rude about it. But I'm also just not eating it. And the same thing goes when the team's going out to eat. They're like, well, coach, where do you want to go eat? And it's like, no, no, you guys ran. Where do you want to eat? You did all the hard work. Yeah. One of your runners came up to you and said, hey, I want a detailed description of how you eat. I want to be able to do it like you do it. What do you tell them? None have come up like that before. They have had some come up and go, how did you lose all the weight? And, you know, diet and exercise and that satisfied. But if I had a runner in theory come up and ask me, what do I eat? I want to do what you do. I would remind them, first off, they're a middle schooler or a high schooler. I'm in my 40s. Just barely. Yeah, well, I'm in there, though. Uh, so we're, biologically, we're in very different spaces where we're at. I'm also coming down from over 325 pounds. They're not. I don't have any kids that are that big trying to run track or cross country. So I'm going to tell them if they are concerned about their weight, and if it's somebody who's a bigger kid, you know, I would probably refer them to a nutritional expert. And if it's somebody who really does not need to lose the weight, which would be like the cross country team, because they're all run, you very know, fit, very fit distance runners, uh, I would probably refer them to a counselor uh, because they are they don't need none of them need to lose weight. They're all in great shape for weight because they're that's kind of a red flag. There's something else going on. Yeah, but for the ones who want to do what I do, like don't do what I'm doing. 
You know, look, you're high schoolers. I'm in my 40s. I enjoy a beer or a cocktail with my wife. You're in high school. You shouldn't have a wife. You also <laughs> shouldn't have a cocktail. You shouldn't have a beer. When you get older in life, you can have all three of those things. You can have a cocktail. You can have a beer. You can have a wife. You can have a husband. Whatever. But not in high school. Be a high schooler. Don't drink. And as far as, like, details, I mean, this podcast is going to be out there. Now, do I think any of them want to listen to it? Absolutely not. They have to listen to me at practice all the time. Why they would want to listen to an hour or so program of you and I talking to each other, I have no idea. But if they do stumble across it, yay, it's here. I've laid out all sorts of details. And I would still say, you're a high schooler. Eat like a high schooler. Obviously, you're an athlete, so you do want to properly hydrate. You want to eat some nutritional things. You do not want to pig out right before your races. But aside from that, relax. You know, as your body ages and changes, then you can worry about nutrition more and more. What else you got for me, Jessica? Um, speaking of cocktails, my end's about out and I'm out of questions. Amazing. I know. <laughs> it's funny how those fit together. Indeed. Well, on that note, I think we should wrap up this episode of the Red Arrow Health and Wellness Podcast. Next podcast, we're going to have data to talk about because data. everything's coming in. Uh, this one should post on Sunday, just a few hours before week one wraps up. So when we sit down to do the next podcast, we will have week one data to talk about. We can talk about the the top lead people on the leaderboard, although we'll be doing it by their username. Mm-hmm. And we're data nerds, and we'll have all sorts of fun with that. And then we'll have some other topic to talk about, too, and in addition to that. So are if you're not... Have, a, are we going to have graphs? Well, I don't know how well that's going to translate to uh, a podcast, an audio podcast, but... There will be graphs. Yay! I will have graphs. <laughs> Great. <laughs> We're such nerds. We are. Anyway, it's been fun, Jessica. Loads of fun, Marco. All right. Until next time. Bye. Bye.